1: Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, February 16th, the Valentine's Ick edition. I'm Zach Rosen. I make a different show. It's called The Best Advice Show. And I am the dad to Noah, who is five, and Ami, who's two. We live in Detroit.
2: I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch, Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's eight, and Teddy, who's six. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado.
3: I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is nearly 10, and we live in Los Angeles.
1: Today, we have a letter from a parent who really hates pomp and circumstance around kids celebrating Valentine's Day. Since we all just went through this rigmarole, we figured it would be a good time to debrief and talk about if the holiday should be celebrated at school and how to make it more tolerable, since our opinions will not shift the culture instantaneously. So that would be kind of cool. We also have triumphs and fails on deck for you. Then, if you're sticking around for Slate Plus, we're going to be talking about the most Googled thing last Sunday. That's right. We'll be talking about the frenzy around Rihanna's pregnancy announcement. Here's what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus.
3: And so the other mom and I go into this whole speech about postpartum bodies. Rihanna gave birth less than a year ago, you know, like she's been honest about the fact that she's not doing the whole snapback thing, but every group chat I was in was exploding with is Rihanna pregnant, you know what I mean? Like all at the same time.
1: As a Slate Plus member, you will get a whole bonus segment from us each week, zero ads on any Slate podcast, and you get unlimited access to the Slate website. Plus, it truly is the best way to support this show. So I hope you'll join us if you can. You can sign up for Slate Plus now at slate.com slash momanddadplus. Okay, we're going to dive into our week in parenting, but not before a quick break. See you back here in a second.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host, Ryan, we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox, and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So, Jamila, what's going on with you?
0: So, I, I
3: definitely have a feel this week. I just want... Anyone, like, I don't think if anyone who's listened to this podcast for a long time could have this idea of me in mind. But, you know, you think of, like, I don't want to say she's stereotypical or mythological. She's both. But, like, the idea of the Black mom is this really tough, no-stuff-taking person, you know? Like, that is not me. I take stuff, you know? I take a lot of stuff. And I took some stuff from Naima yesterday, and I don't know quite how to feel about it. We were having an okay morning, and then it was time to do her hair, and she was displeased with the style again. This is a recurrent theme. This time she set it in, like, she twisted it the night before and taken the twist down, and like it made it kind of curly, but like she didn't like how the curls looked, and she said she looks like a boy. And she was just, like, all in her feelings and just bad attitude and, like, stumpy and not okay. And I can't remember the conversation on the way to school. But, like, when I get her to school, she won't get out the car. She's like, I'm not going. Like, she refused to go. She was like, I'm not going. I look like a boy. I'm not going. I just thought of Naima as more progressive than this you know what I mean like she has this sometimes androgynous style of dressing so I didn't really expect her to you know like but I guess she wants her hairstyles to be very girly um and she just like long story short I just brought her back home like I gave up you know like because I just genuinely in that moment like I didn't even have it in me like You know, my instinct was to get out the car and come to the back door and open it and like, young lady, get out of that car. And I just was like,
2: I I don't don't have have the the energy.
3: I don't have the energy. So I just brought her back home and like she read and we baked the cake and she took a mental health day, you know? And, like, part of me thinks that she needed it. But the other part of me is, like, this can't set... Like, and I've given Naima mental health days before. Like, we've talked about this before. Like, I'm a, I am believe in, like, missing school and work sometimes. But this can't set a precedent. Like, she can't just, like make a habit of refuse like next time I have to get out the car you know what I mean like she yeah can't make a yeah. habit of like refusing to go to school like that's crazy and like I haven't told anybody about it like I'm gonna talk to my therapist and her therapist about it and I look forward to those conversations because like I know for a lot of people the idea like what do you mean she didn't go like what you know like ah
2: well Anyone who's judging you, I hope their child demands (laughs) to not go to school. (laughs) Then they can see what it really feels like.
1: I definitely pulled this when I was a kid. Really? I remember it. I remember the outfit I was wearing. Wow. Yeah. You just make up your mind and you're not going to budge. And it sounds like she was just holding real steady. And I think you made the calculated choice. I mean, what was the alternative? The alternative was to, like you said, what? Scream, you know, open the door, pull her out, possibly humiliate her right in front of her school. Like, I get it. I totally get it.
3: Yeah, I really didn't have many options.
1: Yeah.
2: There's certainly no good one in that choice, right? Like, either way, I think you would have walked away feeling bad about what had happened. Yes, for sure.
1: Elizabeth, what about you?
2: Okay, well, first, I, after last week had a conversation with Jeff and decided that um, our gym offers like a evening yin yoga, which I I joke is nap yoga, but I really like going. It's like quiet. It's very mindfulness-based. It's some stretching. They offer it twice a week. And I had been like going and I have some friends that go, but it's always kind of like week dependent. And I just decided... I'm going to go. Like, this is the thing that I do on Tuesday and Thursday nights. And that that the whole family is just going to have to flex to make that happen. And I went last week, both Tuesday and Thursday. And it was, like, life-changing just to have that time for me. And some friends meet me there, usually, which is nice. Thing. So that is, that is like, the personal. That's huge. I'm checking back, saying, I'm going to do this. Yes. I'm going to continue to just make this a priority.
1: Good for you. That's good.
2: I actually, funnily enough, I have kind of a similar, like... I can't figure out if it's a fail or triumph for the week in that we went up to the mountains this weekend to do all these fun winter activities. And one of the options on Sunday was for Jeff to go skiing. And Teddy really loves to ski. Every time we take him, he has a good time. The ski season is like short and it's, you know, he only fits in his gear for so long. So it feels like because we have this, anytime Jeff goes, Teddy should go. So we just sort of made the decision that Teddy was going to go. And he was like, I don't want to go. You know, we were trying to like investigate. Why don't you want to go? Did something happen? Do you not like the way this feels? But he's six and is like, I, you know, I only want to ski two runs, like like insane stuff. So we just decided, okay, he's going to go. He, of course, Teddy had a great time. Um, Didn't want to leave when it was time to go. Just loved, you know, getting to ski some one-on-one time with Jeff. But I think I'm like so stuck in this like we knew he would have a good time and we made the choice for him but i also want the kids to have like buy-in in what they're doing and be able to tell us when they don't want to do something and i feel like in some sense we we violated that and also about like moving forward in the future when to listen to them and when to just make them go i
1: don't know that ski gear is expensive i get it
2: yeah yeah
1: and he had a great time.
3: <laughs> he had so much fun.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it's easy for a kid to say, "I'd rather be here in my house wearing socks, like on my iPad, or reading." Like it's so easy to, yeah,
2: like status quo.
1: Yeah, so I think to to push him to go is completely reasonable for the age that he is.
2: I agree, especially
1: especially knowing that he has so much fun each time.
2: How about you, Zach?
1: Okay. Big rite of passage in the Rosen household. Noah lost a tooth, her first (gasps) tooth.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: And not only did she lose her tooth, she literally lost it. We don't know where it (laughs) is. (laughs) Cause she was playing in the basement with her friend and they were horsing around, I guess. And it got knocked out. It was very loose. So it's not like, it it wasn't unexpected, but she came upstairs and she was like, just like glowing and Bashful, just like, Dad, I lost my tooth. And she just can't stop smiling and showing people. And it's like so sweet. Maybe we'll find the tooth like next week or in like 10 years. It's going to be fun when we do find it. It's going to be like a moment. But the thing that I wanted to talk about is the tooth fairy.
2: I was going to ask, which, are you doing the tooth fairy?
1: So um we didn't talk much about it. We just kind of assumed that, sure, like, why not? And a little background, I think partly because were Jewish early on. Noah and I had a, a frank conversation about Santa. She asked me and I was just like, no, Santa isn't real. She's kind of a pretty worldly five-year-old, I think. I think she's like pretty mature for her age. And, you know, we talk about death and like, I don't think of her as a naive kid, but like, of course she is. She's five. And so anyways, like I didn't say anything to dispel the tooth fairy myth. And she went to sleep that night knowing like "Ah, maybe the tooth fairy will come because that's what we led her to believe of course um because everyone's sleeping so well now i didn't wake up in the middle of the night neither did shira we we completely forgot to wake up um what are we supposed to set our alarm to put a dollar under her pillow i guess so i guess that's what a good parent would do we've failed to do so and then in the morning i realized oh no we forgot to tooth fairy it up in her room so uh i think when she was like brushing her teeth or something, I snuck in there and slipped a dollar under the pillow, and then like an hour later, I was like, oh no, did the did the tooth fairy come? Then she went upstairs and was so excited to find the dollar bill. Uh, and I kind of in the back of my head assumed, like, she knew that it was me. And then the next day, she was at my mom's house, and they were talking. I wasn't there. This was relayed to me by Shira. And Noah asked my mom, she's like, do you think the tooth fairy is real? And my mom said, I don't know, Noah, what do you think? And then Noah said, I think so. Who else could it have been? <laughs> and So as wise as I think my five-year-old is, like <laughs> it still has not occurred to her that it could be us. And I just find that so adorable. That's
3: so lovely. That is such an exciting time.
2: We did move the Tooth Fairy partially because the Dutch do things differently to the window. They put their teeth on the window. <laughs> it makes it way easier to change out the bunny than under the pillow. Uh-huh. I'm like, who came uh-huh. up with under the pillow? They're sleeping. Yeah, that's playing with
1: fire. Come yeah, on! With fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so they put it on like a windowsill? You yeah. just leave it your tooth out on a windowsill? Yep. They uh-huh. keep their
2: teeth in the Netherlands too. So my kids are obsessed with keeping their teeth. So they just get essentially paid for them. And whether some families will do like a fairy or a little mouse or there's all these different things and some just pay for their teeth. And, you know, Henry is now almost 11, and when he just lost a tooth, it fell out. He was basically like, um, can I just have my money? (laughs) We were like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Like, no, like, there was just no conversation. He was just like, my tooth fell out, do I get a dollar? We're like, yeah. (laughs) Here you go.
1: Where do they keep their teeth now?
2: So, in the Netherlands, they had these little (laughs) boxes that open and all of your teeth go in there. So the plan was to do that. What has happened, though, is the kids have, like, taken them out. And so, much like you, there are probably teeth <laughs> all over <laughs> the house. on the house. Um, you know, Henry is our most organized, so his are in the proper box. I Oliver has lost most of his, like... <laughs> You know, whatever. Is right? it like a
1: sanctioned box, like a box They have a box teeth? that
2: has each of the teeth. And so you put it in.
1: Oh, like a little slot for yeah, each?
2: It's like a slot. And then oh, it closes wow. and Whoa. then you have your mouth.
1: Wow. I yeah, like, there you go. I like learning about this. I'd, I'm actually curious if you have a, a different tooth fairy tradition rooted in some other culture or place. I'd love to hear about it. Let us know at at slate.com Well, on that note, we're going to go take another quick break. See you back here for our listener question.
0: All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast...
4: I think your podcast has changed my life.
0: And
2: I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet.
4: Soul a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Soul a Story are available now.
1: All right, it's time for our question, which is being read, as always, by the fantastic Shasha Leonard.
4: Dear Mom and Dad, I have a five-year-old who is in kindergarten. He's absolutely enthused about Valentine's Day at school. I'm not. Don't get me wrong, I like the day, my husband and I have always celebrated, and we have celebrated between the three of us with cards and chocolate. But my son became obsessed with picking out cards for his class and his friends outside of school. He's at a stage where he loves doing cards for everyone and is pretty affectionate and sensitive. We have spoken with him about how Valentine's Day isn't the only day you can show your love and how showing love can come in different forms, not just cards. I'm having an inordinate amount of angst and annoyance surrounding celebrating Valentine's Day at school. I'm not a Scrooge. I adore gift-giving, but this is grinding my gears. It feels like more work for the parents, and so extra. Also, they're potentially setting kids up for disappointment if what they get didn't match their expectations. I know I can't save him from disappointment forever, but I'm already dealing with very hurt feelings stemming from kindergarten friendship rejection. He can sense my ambivalence and annoyance. I don't want to yuck his yum, but what should we do about this holiday going forward? Signed, Valentine's Scrooge.
1: What do you guys think?
3: You know, I, I'm i a little bit of a Valentine's Day Scrooge, too. Um, I feel you, you know... Don't yuck his yum entirely. Like, Don't rain all the way on his Valentine's Day parade, but do let him know that not everyone takes the holidays super seriously or really gets into it at all, and some people love it and some people don't, and so there will be kids who bring gifts, you know, they bring cards and candy to school, and there'll be kids who don't, so try to maybe focus on like a universal card, you know, like a cute card that you can make for everyone um, or maybe handmade cards as opposed to personalizing or having special cards for special people. You know, like everyone in the class is getting the same thing and that's fine and it's nice and it's an expression of affection for you, but we're not, you know, going out of the way to pick out special cards for individual friends or do anything like that. We counted out the same amount of Candy for every you know she went to do she did a couple extra pieces for like her closest girlfriends you know but like even with that i was like no i'd really rather you know just every kid get the same thing
2: teddy wasn't even allowed to put names on his this year he had to write either to you or to friend i think <laughs> to eliminate like i love the that handing out in the <laughs> classroom you know like just drop one in every bag people
1: <laughs> now, is that the policy
2: of the three children, they all had totally different rules. So yeah. yeah, Teddy's was no names, just your signature. And if you were going to write to it either had to be to you or to friend. And then we couldn't do any food or candy. And then um, Oliver, who's in a small Waldorf class, he had to hand make something, but it didn't have to be Valentine's theme. They were just for the last few weeks have been talking about handcrafting something for each child, but there's only 10 of them. So that you know, it was easy. And he's been working on that. And it's been more the focus on like the, the making something for your friends versus like this day, give something and then Henry's school is not doing anything at all. Like the, they were like, we are not celebrating Valentine's Day, but he's in an older class, right? Like he's the youngest, they're in a class that is um, fifth through eighth. And so I think the teacher there is just like, there are too many potentials for problems. Um, so we're just not going to do it.
1: Does Naima's class have a policy?
2: I wasn't aware of one this year. Like, I remember one year thinking that she
3: couldn't hand out candy, and she could, and we felt bad because we didn't have any. So I don't think they sent anything home this year. So I just sent, you know, we put we bought a few bags of candy and put them in smaller, zip, you know, like in Ziploc bags um, with a few pieces each. And we didn't buy cards because we waited until yesterday to go looking for these things. And the cards they had were so whack. I was like, just handing this out to say you handed out like just give them candy they want candy you want candy everybody wants candy you know like the Mm -hmm. cards are not that you know since we weren't going to get into hand making them this year which i always think is super nice and sweet but i also don't think we've ever done it but in my mind i'm always like oh yeah we should just make these cards from scratch so
2: much work like how many kids are in naima's class 19 yeah i mean because doing the 10 was a lot of work like a lot of work with with oliver I'm so torn always because I love hand-making things and getting to send things in because that's my jam and I like doing it, but I never want the kids to feel like if someone else didn't do it, that there is some kind of disappointment, right? Because I also think it does set this up for like, if you don't have the resources in terms of money, but also in terms of time to put something together, like I would think that that is very frustrating to feel like your kid's going to be excluded or you're letting someone down or, you know, when you're, when everybody is doing the best that they can. And I think having your kids start to understand that is hard, but important.
1: Yeah. I think, um, Valentine Scrooge is bringing up a much larger struggle of being a parent is like, we can't control the rejection that our kids may or may not face you know, like this is, I think this is going to be one of the hardest things. This is something that I'm dreading. Like, you know, Noah, like asking a kid for a friend date to Noah asking someone out when she's older, like they just, we just need to show them how much we love them. And that like the world is can be hard, like, and having those conversations about like, yeah, we're not going to always get what we want. We're not going to get what we expect. We're not going to get what we give. And I really like your focus, Liz, on Let's do this thing because it's really fun. And it, it it's a fun it's fun to create. It's fun to watch people receive our stuff. But, like, if you don't get a Valentine's from, you know, Tommy, that doesn't equate to how lovable you are as a person
2: and it it may not even equate to Tommy's love of you, right? Mm-hmm. or his friendship with you. It could have mm-hmm. we we don't know that it's a rejection in the sense of like, I chose not to do this. Because I think this puts so much effort on the parents. It may be that they just didn't get to it or that they can't right, it's, get to it. It's or just that, that they, Tommy's
1: mom works, uh, works at night.
2: Yeah, or they don't celebrate Valentine's Day. Like, there are a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with you. And I think yeah. to assu- if you go through life assuming that everything that, like, doesn't meet your expectations is a result of someone like disliking you that's a really (laughs) hard way to go through life it's rough
1: yeah yeah
2: naima school goes up through fifth grade
3: so i would imagine like i wouldn't like let the lower grades do it and not let fifth grade do it but i wouldn't celebrate valentine's day with middle schoolers you know like i think once kids get to that age where they're starting to express interest in each other which i mean starts younger and younger it seems but you know like where it's really a thing, I just think the stakes are just way too high to have kids being encouraged to, you know, shower each other with presents and like, oh my God, like I feel so bad for these high school kids because now there's social media and these like, you know, I think about the prom promposals, you know, and as a girl who would have not gotten anything like that, that stuff feels really bad.
2: You know, I think the problems with so much of what we do on Valentine's Day is that it's so public. And it's very easy personally to feel left out or that you're left behind. And also then for other people to, to to make assumptions, right? I mean, there's so many things, even if you get them and you get them from someone that you don't like, or so I think it brings all of that to the forefront, which is tricky at these ages anyway. And it makes us kind of do it performatively at school.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'll speak for myself. I would be thrilled if it was just eliminated from from schools. It would make things so much easier, so much less fraud. And like, it's also like a a time to remind our kids that like we shouldn't wait for one day of the year to tell people how much they mean to us, you know? Like we don't need this dumb holiday to tell our friends that we love them. Let's do that any day. Well, Valentine, Scrooge, we hope the day went okay. The rest of you, let us know how Valentine's Day went for you. Write us at slate.com or leave us a voicemail on our new fancy hotline, 646-357-9318. And finally, don't forget to send us your favorite family food memories and the family recipes that have nourished you over the years. You can email us or better yet, just call the hotline, 646-357-9318 eight. We want this number burned into your brains. 646-357-9318. And tell us your family food story. That's it for our show. We're going to be off on Monday because of the holiday, but we'll be running a fun episode from our sister show. So there will be some fresh content in the feed for your listening entertainment. We'll see you back here next Thursday. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Balson and Maura Curry. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio for Jamila Lemieux and Elizabeth Newcamp. I'm Zach Rosen. Thanks for listening.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. <laughs>